bless each and every one of you. I'm Henry Falcon from Flame of Fire Kingdom Awakening Messengers, and welcome to our last week of this special broadcast of our Rising Joel's Army, God's Deliverers are here. Uh, it is such a blessing to be with you this morning, and like I always do, I've got to make sure my um, Facebook is set correctly. So let me just double check our Facebook, make sure that we're on so I can get all your wonderful comments. I wouldn't want to miss those. Please sign in if you haven't already and let us know where you are from. That would be a blessing. And there we go. We are right on. Look at that. Perfect this morning. Praise God. So we are on. And so now, uh, let's see. Live chat, comments. Okay. All right. So anyways, we are there. Good bless you. It is such a blessing to be here with you this morning. Um, we are grateful for the Lord and all that he's doing. There we go. I just adjust that just a little bit this morning. Oops. There we go. Yep. Uh, if you look behind us, I got a little, uh, it seems like a new set, but it really isn't. Um, what it is, is just the other side of my office. And uh, Don and I, we did some spring cleaning and did all our rugs. And so we decided we wanted to rearrange the room to make it a little bit more useful because this is my music room, my prayer room, my office, and also, you know, where I, I, I do broadcasting and stuff like that. So anyway, so welcome uh, to the other side of my office that you get to see today. Amen. It is sure a blessing to have you. Uh, please sign in. Let us know where you're from. And let's pray. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. We thank you for all that you are and all that you ever will be. Lord, we surrender to you today, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love. We appreciate you. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate your person. We love being with you. Lord, this is a busy season in so many ways, but may we not forget you. May we always keep our eyes upon you, Lord, the gaze of our soul upon you, Lord. We know you, Lord, but we wanna know you better. We see you, Lord, but we wanna see you better. We hear you, Lord, and we wanna hear you better. So Lord, open our eyes to see like we've never seen before. Open our ears to hear like we've never heard before. And open our hearts to understand the secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom like we never have before. Lord, we just bless you and we praise you. We worship you. We adore you today, Lord. We give you glory and honor and praise, Lord. And we thank you that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That morning by morning, you're waking our ears. That we might know how to speak a word in season to them that are weary. So, Lord, I thank you for unfolding the secrets and your mysteries, a word in season to us today, Lord, that would burn within us, Lord, that it would become flesh within us, Lord, that, that we would eat the hidden manna today that you give the right to the overcomers. So, Father, we give you praise and honor and glory and to you who can do exceedingly above all that we think or ask to you, Lord, be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to try to see. I'm getting a little bit of sunlight coming in from my window, which is a little bit different. So I'm going to uh, just try to maybe move the setting down just a little bit. Let me see if I can just arrange this down just a tad. It's not quite. No, that's changing the color of the room. I don't really want to change the color of the room. Okay. Okay. Let's try brightness right here. Okay. 
still think you're going to get the sun shining on my face there. <laughs> oh, well. So for the glory of God, right? There we go. Okay. Praise God. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping me adjust this correctly. Yeah, I think we're getting a little bit more. Yeah. That's a little bit better, I think. I'm thinking so. <laughs> How about you? Does that look any better to you? Hope so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna get the uh no matter how I look at it, the brightness is still gonna be on my face because the sun is coming from those those screens over in the front of my window. So anyways, but I think it's a better picture. I think so, anyways. I think it looks a little better. You can tell me how you think it looks. Amen. Praise Lord. Crystal, God bless you, my sister from Arizona. God bless you. What a blessing you're watching this morning. Mary, uh, sister, Dr. Polly, God bless you for joining this morning. We're so glad to have you. Amen. So welcome to uh, the other side of my office that you get to see. I, I share that with everybody. Um, this is the last week of this particular series. When I get back, um, when I get back, we'll be absolutely uh, uh doing an, another part of this series. This is called the Glory Roadmap series since I started back in. It's not a series. I want you to understand that I didn't plan on doing a series. Like a lot of pastors, we plan on doing series on the book of Mark. This has just become a series since March 2020. Since everything unfolded with COVID and everything locked down, the Lord has been unfolding Revelation chapter 1 through 5 uh, in a very powerful way. And I've been sharing that for over two years now. And so this is the, actually the 12th a part of that glory roadmap series so i hope that you get a chance and uh to uh, uh hear them also um the, all of these are recorded by the way they're recorded on if you go to our website at at www.flamefire2007.org and you go to the media page and you'll see it. it'll have all the broadcasts some of them started on facebook alone and you'll see those listed and then some of them are on both on Facebook and YouTube, and they're listed all the way up to the present series. So, it you know, if you click on the YouTube channel, the Facebook, they'll be all listed right down in a row for you, which is always nice to know because there's a lot. And what I told people to do is pray over them and see the Holy Spirit may quicken a particular topic that you need to hear, you know, a specific thing that might reinforce something that God is speaking to your life. So praise God for that. Um, we ended up last week in Zechariah chapter um, three. But you know, we, our, our foundational scripture that we've been looking at is uh, Song of Solomon 2.11, which says, uh, we've talked about, you know, um, arise my love, my fair one, and come away with me. The winter's gone. We've explained that for the last three or four weeks now. You know, uh, the winter's over, the rains are coming gone, and now the flowers appear on the earth. Okay, that's where we've been on that particular passage of scripture. We're gonna finish up uh, Song of Solomon 2, um, 10 through uh, 12 uh, this week. and what the flowers appear okay on the earth is that one of the we talked about you know uh, about the the rains coming gone that represents the former and the latter rains and we've been receiving that i believe since 1990s when that when it broke out in, in toronto um there's been a pouring of the river of god the rains of god and that's lasted almost 20 years up to this point and there comes a point where that season is over and the rain is gone. And that's where we are now. And that's why we transitioned in 2020 into a brand new season of the Lord. You know, it says the flowers appear on the earth. What are the flowers? The flowers are the sons of God. They're appearing. They're growing. 
And right now we're in, the, we're in that season where it says in Romans chapter 8, and the all of creation, the earth travails for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? That means that the saints of God who are willing, the, 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 you know, the, the, the chosen, many are called, but few are chosen, few will pay the price to qualify. They're being prepared for special end time purposes of the Lord. Everyone is invited to it, but those, there are only some that are responding to it. Many are called, it's to everybody, but few are paying the price to qualify. And those that are paying the price to qualify are giving the Lord the entirety of their being, their body, soul, and spirit, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be to the Lord. And they're giving that to the Lord. And as they're giving that to the Lord, um, you know, the Lord has been doing a work within their hearts coming out of the church age. You know, go tell that box today and tomorrow I do healings and miracles, Jesus said in Luke chapter 13. But on the third day, I'm going to finish my course. I've been talking about this for two years now or more, actually a lot longer than that, but consistently for two years because the season's here, you know, for such a time as this, that the end time intervention of the Lord of changing us from water to wine, the intervention of changing us and removing the filthy garments off of us, coming out of the church age, coming out of the holy place. We've come to the end of the ministry of the outer courts and the holy place. And now there's only one destination left that's in the holy of holies and the holy of holies to dwell in us in the glory realm. And I mean, sharing about that for those of you that are watching this for the first time just to give you an overview of of what the lord is doing you know so that's what i've been sharing god bless you lisa god i'm glad you could join today my sister amen it's always a blessing to have you on as well all of you praise god and um so so anyways uh we've been preparing for that and and what i've been sharing is how do we cooperate with this third day intervention on the third day jesus said I will finish my course. I will finish my work. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana, and we know what happened. He changed water to wine. On the third day, Esther goes before the king, and she gets what? A special dispensation, you know, to be able to, you know, share what she needs to do. So the third day is very prophetic, and we are in that third day now. We're in the third day anointing. We're in the third day prophetically. The first 2,000 years of the church were called the church age, and we finished that age. In 2000, we entered into the third day of the church, church which is, you know, uh, which is the third day, which is where the revealing of the kingdom age, you know, and the kingdom age starts with a preparation of a people for the end time purposes of God so that we can enter the millennial reign of Christ. So that's where we are prophetically. And I've been sharing that. But what we have to understand is that we've come to the end of the line of the church age and the church age structure. And again, I've been sharing that for several weeks now, and which means we had to burn the ships in 2020 and start again. And ask the Lord, what, what is your present word to me today? What is your present work for me today? We had to lay everything we're doing, our lives, where we live, where we work, where we, uh, you know, what we're doing with our lives, the priorities of our life, our ministries, our churches, everything. The Lord in 2020 gave us an opportunity to lay all of that down and put it at his feet. And, and if necessary, walk away from all of it for the present of what the Lord has, for the present work of the Lord that he's doing right now. That's what it requires. What that is, what I just shared, is buying gold tried by the fire in Revelation chapter 3. It's getting eyes uh, up for your eyes and getting white raiment for the clothes. The willingness to change, the willingness to open the door and let Jesus come in in Revelation chapter 3.20, to let him come in and sup with you as a king of glory. You know, the, the ability to lift up your heads in Psalm 24 and lift up your heads as a gate and as an everlasting doorway and let the king of glory comes in, brings you positionally wise 
into the third day end time intervention of the Lord, which I'm sharing with you in Song of Solomon, chapter two, verses 10 through 12, because it's right here. We see that prophetic picture of what the Lord is doing. Amen. So praise God. And so we see that he says it starts with arise, my love. See, there's a calling up. And hopefully you've responded to that. The remnant of God are responding to that upward call. They knock at the door, letting him in. See, there's a change. There's a there's a work that you and I have to do, and that's to arise or open the door. Same same picture. And the destination is to go up. We're not going this way anymore horizontally. The church age has come to an end. And Jesus is standing right here, knocking at the door of the church. Call this the door. He's knocking. He's saying, if any man will hear my voice and let me in, I'll come in and I'll sup with him and they'll sup with me. What that supping is, is in Revelation chapter four, come up here. So our position and our direction, our eyesight is no longer looking for the Great Commission as we've known it to be. That's the key. We cannot see the Great Commission and the work of God and how we go out to reach the lost in the same way that we've done in the church age. That doesn't mean we don't share the gospel. That doesn't mean we pray, don't pray with people to get saved. Doesn't mean we don't pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just a change of position. It's from up here. And now we function completely different because as we come up, we're becoming one with the Lord in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're being married to the Lord. I said this before, the church age is me, me and the Lord. I work with the, I work for the Lord. I live for the Lord. This is what engagement looks like. This is as close as I can get in the holy place in the outer courts. But once I enter behind that veil, okay, once I enter into the third day, once I enter into the glory realm, I become married to the Lord and the two shall become one. And for this to happen, we meet the Lord in the air, Revelation chapter one, and we go up through the door open in heaven in Revelation chapter four, verse one. And we begin to see the unfolding of God's end time purposes as a bride with a bridegroom, Mary. She comes out of that wilderness and leaning upon her beloved in Song of Solomon. She comes out of that wilderness, leaning upon her beloved, and she's ready for the true ministry work of the Lord. That's what this is about. Remember what I said, the gospel, the, the, the church age brings a gospel of salvation. The kingdom age brings a gospel of prosperity, uh, the, the message of king, uh, the message of preparation. And the church age is a message of salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, fivefold ministry. The kingdom age is a message of preparation. And it proves it in Revelation chapter two and three. It's all about preparing. Three words I've said to you about Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation chapter two and three. What are they? Do you remember? Repent change and overcome the overcomers get a victory place a position they get to eat from the tree of life in the midst of the garden they get to rule the rule the nations with a rod of iron that's the word of god coming out of their mouth they're able to sit down on his throne next to the jesus as he sat down and overcame next to the father he's able to eat of the tree of life in the midst of garden he's able to eat the hidden manna and they're able to, to be able to become a pillar in the temple of God, get a white stone and a new name, the city of our God, the new Jerusalem. All of those are rewards for the overcomers. All of those that overcome Revelation chapter one through three and begin to allow the finishing third day work of the Lord to bring up to being brought up to a spiritual position of up here with the Lord to be seated with them in heavenly places, to stand with our feet in the second heavens and our heads up into the third heavens of the glory realm where we're receiving instruction, ability, anointing, power, dominion, authority as the Lord had. That's where we begin to function as full grown sons and daughters of God. But we have to come up to that place where the Lord is working. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 
Thank you, Lord. That was my Star Wars mug my daughter gave me. I usually use my other mug, but I'm using my Star Wars mug today. I just grabbed one because we have a lot of coffee cups. So praise God. And so as we are being prepared to meet him in Revelation chapter one in the air, that's where the body of Christ has come up here. Arise my love, my fair one, and come away with me. As we arise, we're seeing Jesus. We're meeting him. The Jesus of Revelation chapter one is becoming a living in reality in the remnant of God. The, those churches, pastors, leaders that are allowing the Lord to take them and the church up into this new place seated with him where we're seeing Jesus as the king of glory. Revelation chapter one reveals the king of glory. Actually, the first five chapters reveal Jesus as the king of glory. And that's what it says, who can ascend, notice, the mountain of the Lord, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. There is a process of being cleansed and finished. That clean hands and a pure heart is the same work of Malachi chapter three, where it says, the Lord whom you seek suddenly shall come to his temple. And who can stand when he appears and who can endure the day of his coming? For when he comes, he's going to come like a refiner's fire and full of soap. Isaiah chapter four, he's going to come as the spirit of burning, the spirit of judgment. Same work of God showing us that there's a fire this is the day of fire that God is finishing you in fire. God is removing every spot, every blemish, every wrinkle. He's, he's changing your mindset, your clothing, your spiritual clothing, your armor. He's removing the old and bringing forth the new. And remember, everything is new in 2022. This is the finishing work of the Lord where your minds will be changed. Your heart's going to be changed. Your things that your sin is going to be burned out of you completely. The things, the habits, the, the thoughts, everything is an end time work of the Lord to complete you. On the third day, he said, I'm going to finish my work. He's going to complete us. Philippians 1, 6 says, you know, that he that has begun this good work in you will be, will be faithful to complete it in you even unto the day of Christ, which is where we are. So we're in the finishing work of the Lord, preparation. And that's what I've been sharing with you. And I, should, I, I shared with you that so powerful is this intervention. It's got to give you hope today because so many Christians and believers and even in the remnant, God, am I ever going to get free? Is this ever going to leave me? Are my attitudes ever going to change? Am I ever going to stop doing these things? Am I ever going to be finished? Am I ever going to make it? Or is it going to only happen when I die? That's what the church teaches. You know, you'll get changed on the way up in the rapture and then you'll be all set. No, Jesus is finishing a people here. That's why he told us the parable of the of, of the wise of the wise and foolish virgins. He says at the midnight hour, first he talks about 10 virgins and they all had oil in their lamps. Five of them are wise, five foolish. The wise have extra oil, the foolish do not. Then we see an event happen at the midnight hour. That represents a change of day. Midnight always represents a change of day. At the midnight hour, a voice comes, behold, go out and meet the bridegroom. That's where we are. And now your position of being able to go out the bridegroom is being determined by the amount of oil that you have. And that's why when I get into finishing Zechariah today, you're going to see why this is important. Because the wise virgins, all the virgins have oil. That oil in their lamp represents their initial salvation. That's what it means. They, they're all saved. Virgins are never spoken to about the world. So this is not about the world. This is about the body of Christ. And everyone that's asked Jesus to come into their heart as their Lord and Savior, you know, has had that, has, has a measure of oil in them of the Holy Spirit. Now, the wise have something more. They have extra oil. The extra oil are the dealings of the Lord. The extra oil is how much you have surrendered to the Lord. How much of the totality of your being have you let God operate in? And through those of you that 
from the day that you were saved, said, Lord, all that I am, all that I have, all that I have is yours. You have been dealt with. You have gone through situations, family situations, financial situations, maybe physical ailments. You have gone through the ringer and you've, and you've been dealt with. And in all of those sufferings that you've gone through, all the testings and trials the, that, that, that have come your way, it's been, it's absolutely, I don't know about you, but emptied you. And it empties you of your own strength, your own power, your own ability. That's what the pressure does. So that there's only one thing left, absolute dependence upon God, absolute faith in God, absolute trust in God. So that like the Hebrew boys, he said, even if God doesn't deliver me, we're not going to bow our knee to you. And, and being thrown into that fiery furnace, that's exactly what it's been like for the remnant of God, the sons of God. You know, those that have been called to come up into this glory realm, they have been prepared and testings and sufferings that many Christians wouldn't even know about. I mean, we all suffer, but there's an intense dealing with those that God's preparing to rule and reign with them. And remember, you signed up for it. I signed up for it. You know, that doesn't mean God beats us. It just means as we walk through life, there are situations that arise, testings, trials. We know the Bible says that. And in that, you know, God is causing us to be empty. Because it's in the emptying of our own strength and ability, we can enter into the third day. Because the third day is truly the seventh day, the one and the same. 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, that's 4, 000, That's four days. Days are like a thousand years, Peter says, and a thousand years like a day. 2,000 years from Christ to now, that's six complete days. So now you can see we've entered into the seventh day of mankind, the third day of the church. As we enter the seventh day, it's talked about the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day's rest. And so Hebrews chapter four tells us to strive diligently to enter into the rest of God. And for he that enters into his rest ceases from his own works, even as God ceases from his own works, ceases from his own efforts. Remember what I said? The church age has a mixture of our efforts and God's efforts. And in that we produce an Ishmael because that's exactly what Abraham did. You know, Sarah couldn't produce uh, an egg anymore. Abraham could still produce a seed. So she said, sleep with my handmaiden. See, that's the mixture. That's the mixture of the church age. The good ideas mixed with God. It's our good intentions, our good ideas mixed in with the word of God. And because she, they took it into their own understanding, they came up with a good idea, sleep with my handwoman. We know what happened because of that. She, he, she absolutely, Hagar got uh, pregnant and produced an Ishmael. And you know, it, um, yeah, Ishmael. Uh, and Ishmael's name means his hands, his hands against every man's hand and every man's hands against him, which means contention. And we know who the descendants of Ishmael are. And we know the contention that they bring even to this day upon the earth. But, you know, but the Isaac, okay, the Isaac represents Sarah, you know, Hagar represents Ishmael. And it comes a point, and that's where we are now, it comes a point where the Lord came to Abraham and said, put away the son of a bondwoman, for never shall the son of a bondwoman inherit the promises of God. And why did that happen? Because uh, Sarah re recognized that Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. The, the mixture of, of what God said and our efforts was now persecuting the pure promise that had to come wholly from God. Boy, is this powerful what I'm telling you. You're hearing what I'm saying this morning. What happened? Okay, during that time, all the way up to where uh, Isaac was 13 years old. Uh, now, remember, Ishmael was older than that. He persecuted his brother, made fun of his brother. And what does Ishmael represent? Flesh and spirit. 
And so now as God is birthing the Isaac, now as God is bringing forth his bride, his overcomers, the church age mixture leadership and people are what? Persecuting the Isaac, you know, <coughs> excuse me, coming against it in many ways because it doesn't fit their paradigm. So what does the Lord say to Abraham? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Not only did she have, not only did he have to cast out the son Ishmael, but the one that created it. Wow. Did you hear what I just said? And the one that created it, uh, which was Hagar, she had to be put away with Ishmael. God made a nation out of them, came to her and told her to make a nation out of them. But as far as the inheritance, as far as the kingdom of God, as far as the advancement of the kingdom, they could not have a portion of that inheritance because they were a mixture of flesh and spirit. Just like I shared with you last week about the holy place ministry. In it, offerings and sacrifices are in it, are given, you know, and the ritual acts of worship are given. But in Hebrews chapter nine, they are in unable to cleanse or finish or perfect the conscience of the believer. Why? They can't finish us because they're a mixture of flesh and spirit. And all you got to do is take a look at last Sunday, yesterday. Let's look at the church services again. Let's go back and let's go back and look at a hundred of them that are on video. I guarantee you, you're going to see the mixture of the flesh and the spirit. How do I know that? Because the structure of the form of flesh and spirit is still there. We had a set amount of time to minister. We had a certain amount of time for worship. We had a certain type of time for announcements and then offering, then the message and then prayer. That is a structure, a mixture of flesh and spirit. And why do I say that? Because it limits God. It limits God's people. It doesn't allow them to function. It doesn't allow the whole body of Christ to function. It doesn't allow the church to grow. It doesn't allow them to be spiritual in many cases and everybody having something like 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It's structured, it's ordered. We want God's presence. He's there, but it's also we're there. So we got the me and the Lord, the Lord and me, and it's missing the glory. I want you to go back at the service maybe you attended to on Sunday or the church that you officiated on Sunday. And I ask you again this week, was the glory of God manifested in your midst? I mean the glory, the tangible glory of God. And then my question to you this morning is, if not, then why not? Why isn't his glory what we're seeking? Why isn't his face what we're seeking? Why is he not the agenda? Why is he, why is he not the purpose? Do you see? That's Ishmael. How do I know that's Ishmael? Because God specifically sent a prophet into me back in 1990, you know, and um, and from um, um, I don't remember what ministry they were from, I, I, but they they it was I think it was Larry Lee's or somebody's ministry. I don't remember. It could have been uh, from uh, Gloria Heflin's. I don't remember who said it, but they said to me, Pastor Henry, the Lord says to you, no longer are you going to produce an Ishmael but you're going to produce an Isaac after your own kind. And then gave me this word about what was going to happen to the church. That bothered me, said it in front of everybody. I said, what's Ishmael? You know what Ishmael was? I put every, I did everything I was taught as a pastor. I had every single ministry put in place because this is what we are supposed to have. Singles ministry, uh, 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 worship team, uh, um, young adults meetings, it's Christian school. We had it all. We had all of those things in place. And when God looked at it, he said, Ishmael, why was it Ishmael? Because it was a mixture of what God wanted and what I wanted or what I thought I wanted or what we thought we wanted. And the Lord said, I got to put it into it. And he did big time. We suffered much through it. But the bottom line was, he said, but you're going to build an Isaac after your own kind. What was the Isaac? I was building this ministry idea that was passed down from us that most ministers to this day are still building 
Get a church vision, get everybody on board. Everybody's here for our church vision and let's run with it. We got to reach the lost at all costs. We got to impact our community. We got to change the culture. We got to do all those things that we're told that we're supposed to be doing. I'm not saying we're not supposed to do it. I'm just saying that's what we're doing. But you can do that in a mixture of flesh and spirit. And that's what I did. That's what I would say 99.9% of the ministries are doing today that are still in the church age. It's a mixture. Okay, God met us there. Reached a lot of people, saved a lot of souls, got baptized and thank God for it. But it's not the end. It's not the end. The end is the holy place, the holy of holies. The end is the glory realm. And that's what the third day brings. It shows us that as much as you may love doing all of these things in the outer course of the holy place, it cannot finish you. And I can prove it to you. We're the finished ones in the church today. Where are the mature sons and daughters of God? who are operating in kingdom power, authority, and dominion, you know, with a deep abiding substance of God re residing in them. Or are they good note takers? We made note takers, seat sitters, pew sitters, bench sitters. And every week the, the Bible ministry, which is still on top of everybody, has to minister to everybody. And everybody has to sit there and be ministered to over and over, ritual acts of worship over and over. It says they are incapable of perfecting and cleansing the conscious or completing them. That's why there's a third day, beloved. And the third day operation starts when you recognize I can't be finished here in this structure, which many of you are. You've been called out of that place by the Lord, you know, for a reason. Okay, you've been called out. And what happens is, no, it's time to cast away the bondwoman and her son, Genesis, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 16 and 3, down to put there, Ishmael, it, you know. And the Lord said, put him away. And why does he have to be put away? because he's in opposition, he's gonna persecute the genuine. And, and many of you probably understand this. How many times have you been called a rebel because you're not in a church, uh, a church, uh, uh, local church right now? I see it all the time, I hear it all the time, you know, that everybody who's not in a local church is rebellious, that's not so. And I can prove it to you by Revelation chapter two and three. Many of those churches have a doctrine of Nicolaitans. It has Jezebel in it. It's got a reputation of being alive but dead. It's lukewarm. It's got all of these things. Five out of the seven have really major things wrong with it. And why would God lead people or bring people to a church that's going to face a judgment from the Lord? I'll remove the candlestick from the midst. I'm going to fight against you with the word of my mouth. I'm going to throw you over to on a bed of affliction. Why would God keep people in those type of churches locally? Why? If they're really hungry and thirsty for God, he would not. He says in, he says in Isaiah, I'm going to strike the shepherds and scatter the sheep, and then I'm going to raise up shepherds after my own heart. There's a reason. Read Isaiah chapter 1. If you don't think that God could be against what we're doing, read, but read Isaiah chapter 1. Maybe I'll read it to you so that you can hear it just to see. that. So, so don't, don't assume just because you're doing it. God is happy with what you're doing. You can't assume that as a pastor and a minister. You could be doing this week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and the Lord may be there to wash away everything that you just did on, put on, on everybody. It's very possible. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but I, I'm just telling you that that could be very possible. Isaiah chapter one, very powerful word of the Lord. It says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I've nourished and brought up sons and made them great and exalted, but they have rebelled against me and broken away from me. The ox knows his owner, the donkey is master's crib, but Israel does not know, recognize me as Lord. My people do not consider and understand. That is the same word that starts in Revelation chapter two. I have this one charge against you. 
you've deserted me. You've abandoned me, the love that you had for, for me at first. And from that, first breaking away from knowing the Lord and making the Lord first and putting his needs first, we switched it and we put the needs of men above the needs of God. And because of that, we the Revelation chapter two and three is to change, overcome, and repent. Nope, change, repent, change, and overcome. I said it backwards, sorry. That's the word. And why? I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I see it. We think God doesn't see. We think God, just because we had service Sunday, he's so happy. No, he's not. What we did is going to determine what, what, you know, for him, with him is what makes him happy or not. Just because we did it doesn't mean the Lord's going to receive it. Was he happy with Sardis? Was he happy that you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead? And I'm about to come and remove that little that you have if you don't repent. Does that sound like he's happy? Does it sound like he's happy with the church of Ephesus? I know all your works. You're working harder than you did before. You know, you you try those to say they're apostles. And yes, you don't tolerate those that, you know, of the doctrine of Nicolaitans. But I do have this one charge against you. You've deserted me. You have abandoned the love that you had for me at first. Consider the heights you've fallen and repent. Or, you know, and change your mind and heart to meet what I want or else I'll come and remove my presence from you. Does that sound like he's happy with it? I think this blinders on our eyes just to assume because we have a church service and because we have church meetings that God is happy with it just because we do it. No, he's not happy just because we do it. Matter of fact, it can be disgusting to him if it's not what he wants. I, I'm sorry, you, we can bring Cain's offering before the Lord all day long and God is not just going to receive it because it's the best of your crops, the best of your singers, the best of your performance, the best of all that you put together to try to please God. And when you did it of your own efforts and your own work, that's not going to please God. It didn't then, it's not now. And that's what we have to realize. God has changed the day and he's preparing a people that can see that, understand that and begin like in Malachi chapter three, that as he comes as, as a refiner's fire and a full of soap, he will thoroughly purge the hearts of the priests, of those that are ministering to him, like gold and like silver. He will remove the dross from them. So what? That they may bring offerings of righteousness. In other words, they'll bring God what he wants. Aren't you tired of bringing God what he doesn't want? And that's why people get so angry. And when I share this word, many leaders get angry. Why do they get angry, Cain? Why are you so angry, Cain? Why do you get angry? Why, does it, why is this offensive to you? Why is it so hard to look at that? Maybe what you're bringing to the Lord is from your efforts. Maybe the best of your work. You're trying to please God in your own strength. You're trying to maybe earn your love from God some way. Maybe your success is attached to what you're doing. And that, that success is, is completing you instead of Jesus completing you. Why can't he look at your heart and examine it? Why can he not test your motives? David wasn't afraid to have his motives tested. He said, try and search me, oh God, and try me and know my heart, know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. Why is that so, why is that so controversial to be able to, to say, listen, maybe God is not pleased in what we're bringing to him or what we're bringing to him is ended and he wants to bring, he wants us to bring something new. He wants us to come in a new way, a new and a living way. He wants us to come boldly to the throne of grace. He wants us to enter into the Holy of Holies with him. I don't get it. Listen to this. I want you to see when sin is abounding in the house of God, how it taints what we do for the Lord. 
And if we're not bringing correction to the sin that's in the house, judgment begins in the house of the Lord, which we're not. If we're not telling him about the refiner's firing and teaching him about the ways of God, how God has to empty us and these things, no flesh can glory in his sight to go behind the veil. That has to be put away with. And we need an intervention of God to finish us, to, to be able to enter into that place. An end time intervention, which is here. You know, we're just telling everybody, I'm okay, you're okay. Everybody's going to be filled with power, authority, and dominion of the kingdom just because you're a Christian. Well, no, you're not. There are wise virgins and there are foolish virgins. There are sheep and there are goats. There's fat sheep and there's lean sheep. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's mixture, there's lukewarm, and there's hot, and there's cold. And we got to face it. We got to look, we got to get our eyes open to see our true individual spiritual condition before the Lord. That's number one. What's our family condition before the Lord? Then what's our church's condition before the Lord? What does God see? How does he see it? That's what this day is all about. The, the, the removing of the scales off of our eyes of, to see whether we're cold, hot, or lukewarm. That's what we need to see as an individual, as a family, and as a church. And if we can recognize that, we have time to Repent, change, and overcome so that we can be prepared, positioned, and propelled with glory. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to listen to this. An ox knows his master, you know, and a donkey knows his crib, but Israel does not know, recognize me as Lord, as Lord. We may know him as Savior, but as Lord, that means he has complete control and dominion, authority over us. We live only for his will, only for his pleasure. That's what the kingdom age is, living for the will of God. That's what the marriage supper of the lamb is, to become one with the Lord. That's the testimony of the bride. I am my beloved's and his desires are towards me. Notice there's no self-life in that as a bride. As a son, we hear it in when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I, but Christ now lives within me. And the life I now live, a completely new life, I live by faith in the son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Both of those positions, bride and son, have no self in it. They're emptied, they're empty. There's no mixture of flesh and spirit. They're living for the Lord excuse me, living with the Lord and working with the Lord instead of working for the Lord and living for the Lord. And so it says here, a simple nation, a people loaded with iniquity, offering of evildoers, sons who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. Revelation chapter two, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised and shown contempt and provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They have become utterly estranged, alienated. Why should you be stricken and punished anymore? since it brings no correction. In other words, you didn't respond to the correction. The book of Revelation, the first three chapters, it's all about to bring a course correction. Hmm, 2020, hmm, course correction. Did we miss it? Did you miss it? Did your family miss it? Did the church miss it? I know if I was sharing this in other churches right now, I wouldn't be getting a lot of amens because you have to look. And you have to see. And it says, you know, why should we, you revolt any of the whole, it says, you know, you, why should you be stricken anymore? You revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint and, mis, and, and nauseated. Verse five, six. For the sole of your feet to the head, there's no soundness and health in this nation's body. But listen, wounds, bruises, and bleeding stripes have not been pressed up, closed up, or bound up or softened with oil. Yep. 
man, underline that. And that's the condition in the holy place. They're not ready. The holy place of working all your brains out for God cannot heal those wounds. We still have them. People are still in the same place for the most part. They may be better workers. They may be trying to accomplish much. But remember, many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So it's not what we do that God is looking at. It's what we become that God is looking at. The works are already predestined and preordained for us to walk in. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Everything that we're going to do for the Lord is by his hand. We can't even glory in what we do because it's his works. Jesus didn't glory in what he did. He gave all the glory to the Father. But what he was becoming, demonstrating to us the second Adam, that's what we needed to see. We needed to focus that Jesus was the obedient son where Adam failed. Jesus did not fail because he only did exactly what the father told him to do. He only said exactly what the father gave him to say. And that is what it means to be married to the Lord. It's that obedience, that control, that lordship of Jesus, where we're not functioning in any way of our own selves. We're living only to please him. And to do that, we got to be able, we got to be, we've got to be able to sell all that we have to buy the field with a pearl of great price. We got be willing to give it all up, sell it all if necessary to come and follow the Lord. Those are the people who have been willing to do that. And they look stupid to the church. They look like they're so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good. They're, they're the people that are being ridiculed and persecuted by, by many in the church age because you're not in a local church or you're, you're doing this. But what they don't see is there's been a preparation process. God was working within them. I'll never forget what the Lord told me. You know, this is a good quote to write down. He said, Henry, what I'm making you is more valuable to me than anything you'll ever do for me. What I'm making you, that's what the Lord's doing. It's almost sounds like it's self-centered what God's making you. No, what, it's important to understand what God's making you, a full-grown son, so that you can become one. Why? So that the Lord and so that Jesus Christ's life can be seen in you. Our life becomes a reflection of his life as his life became the reflection of the father. And that's why when it, when his life is seen within us, when he when he comes in first, second Thessalonians, one time to be seen in his glorified in his saints, they're going to see him and the works that he did. We shall what also do. Right. As I was in the world, so are you. And that's exactly, you know, what the Lord is doing in this finishing work of operation. But for that to happen, you have to understand the spiritual condition. And as you arise up, my love, my fair one, you begin to see that spiritual condition. And you begin to see another thing, that there is no way you can fix yourself. I mean, you know that in the church age. But as you begin to arise up, like, like Isaiah, you're going to realize you're undone. You're a man of unclean lips in the midst of unclean people. And what did God have to do? He had to take an intervention and take the coal, put it upon his lap. Divine intervention. Something had to happen. Second thing that happened, when, when John comes, he falls on his face as a dead man. The Lord Jesus has to come and put his right hand on him. Another intervention so he can stand. Notice to stand in the glory, to be able to be without that, that, that mixture, takes an intervention of God doing something on your behalf. That's why when I talk about Zechariah this week, you're going to see that intervention that prepares us for glory, that propels us for glory. That's happening right now. 
And that's what I hope that you that we will be able to cooperate with. Now, back in Isaiah chapter one um, uh, says, and you're 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 uh, why is your why are you sick? Because your wounds and bruises and flesh bleeding stripes are still there. They have not been pressed out, closed up or bound or softened with oil. No one. Look at this amplified. No one has trouble to seek a remedy. 2020 was the remedy unfolding. It's already been there, but God allowed everything in the church and the whole world to stop down from gathering to meeting because of this scripture. There's mixture in my house. And if you stay in the holy place, you're going to miss my end time intervention. You're going to miss my end time work where I'm going to change you from water to wine. You're not going to be able to fix yourself. You're not going to be able to complete it. No matter how many books you read, no matter how much you fast, no matter pray, you can't word it out. You can't fast it out and you can't pray it out. We've done all those things and we're not finished. And that's why so many are frustrated. And there's a yearning to put off this corruptible, to put on the incorruptible. That's what Jesus said, I'm going to do on the third day. On the third day, I'm going to finish my course. On the third day, I'm going to complete my course. Tell that fox today and tomorrow, I do healings and miracles. I'm going to do the church age. You know, I'm going to save them, baptize them in the Holy Spirit, establish a five-fold ministry. But on the third day, I'm going to come and complete them. Jesus says, don't be alarmed to his disciple. I'm going to go away for a while. You know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to go away. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And that's where we are. And then I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you up with me. I'm going to, I'm going to, for, for where I am, you shall also be. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Okay. And then I'm going to come and I take you so that I'm going to bring you that where I am. I'm going to bring you to where I am. I'm going to bring you to where I am so that where I am, you shall also be. That's the marriage supper of the Lord. That is the parable of the virgins he's coming to the 10 and the five are ready they got oil and they got extra oil and they're able to go out what with the bridegroom into that wedding marriage supper and then the door is shut and that flowers the flowers have bloomed they're not blooming all the flowers in the company of, of full-grown sons and daughters of god have come into a place and that day is done and the doors closed and there's no more that are going to come in because that's when the end time event's going to happen the preparation time is over. And that's what we cannot miss. That's what you cannot miss. That's what your children can't miss. That's what your husband and wife can't miss. Your aunts, uncles, mothers, brothers, and sisters. That's why you have to be heralds of the message of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to take a little drink of water here. Now I'm talking to you again about the putting away of Ishmael. Ishmael was a mixture of good intentions and God's God's promise. It's trying to bring God's promise into existence with your own hands. I'm gonna say that again. Ishmael represents bringing God's promise by your own hands. It's mixture. It's, it's, it's believing God's promise, but now you gotta help him out. That's the holy place ministry. We're helping God out there, and there's mixture. Nobody dies if they if they tend to that stuff with 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 having a dirty garment or not coming in right. Nobody dies. The only way they die is when they go into the holy of holies if they don't do it exactly right. So the mixture can exist there. It can exist in the outer courts. We're saved. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're ministering to the candlesticks, doing all that stuff there. When the Bible ministry established, but that's as far as it can go. That's the that's the horizontal plane. The Holy of Holies is up. Come up here. 
Arise, my love, my family. It causes us to come up into a new place of revelation of Jesus as a finisher. Jesus in Revelation chapter one is a finisher. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's roaring and he's appearing there as a king of glory, the finisher. And what is he going to finish? He's going to remove every spot, every blemish, and every wrinkle. That's what he says in Ephesians. I'm going to wash her by the word of the word, and I'm going to present myself to her as a glorious church without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle. And on the third day, I'm going to finish that course. I'm going to complete you. Doesn't Isn't that exciting? That's where we are prophetically. And we're getting ready to be propelled full of the glory of the Lord to be seen risen upon us. And I talked about that in, in the last couple of weeks. But right now I'm expounding. I didn't know I was going over here, but this is where the Lord is leading me to get over to Zechariah. Okay. But for the, from the soles of your foot, even to the head, there's no soundness again, but wounds, bruises, and fresh bleeding stripes that have not been pressed out, closed up, bound up, or softened with oil. Why is that so? Because the leaders like me, we have, we are vision minded. We say we're people minded. We're vision minded. Our church vision, our ministry vision is what we're building. And yet God is building living stones. And when you're building a church vision, you can, you can miss the very people that you are using to build that vision. You can miss their true needs. You can preach a message hoping that will reach them, but you don't know them. You don't know them. You don't know them, nor are you on your face before them for God to show you who they are and what they are. Not to the point where you can truly pour your life out them for them as God would want you in the new of the way God wants to do it. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care about it. It doesn't mean you're not praying for the people you are. But there is a, in, there is a work that each one of those individual believers need, that hands-on work of the Lord. To become disciples of the Lord. We weren't just supposed to go preach the gospel and save the lost. We were to make disciples of the nation, but we haven't made disciples. We've made churchgoers. We made great employees for God. But very few are friends of God. We made the emphasis about being workers instead of being friends. Remember on the last supper what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, You know, I said, I want to say this to you. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I'm going to bring you up into a new place of intimacy with, with me. You're not going to be just workers, servants. I'm call you friends. And what's the difference between servants and friends? Jesus tells us at that last supper. Friends, servants do not know what their master is doing. And because they do not know what the master is doing, he's going to speak to them in parables. But he says to his disciples, to, to them I speak in parables. But to you, to you, I, to you, it has been given to know the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. So there's a you and a them, there's friends and servants. The church stays in servants mode. The, the, the kingdom people go into, into sonship mode, bride mode, you know, uh, you mode, you know, being a you instead of a them. And in that going up, there is a finishing fire of God. The day of fire, the day of the Lord is the day of fire. And in that fire, that's why this is, when we come to the convergence in, at the, uh, at the uh, beginning of May, we're not having soaking services. And I'll, I'll get up and say, this is not a soaking service. So don't you dare soak. This is a burning service. Bring yourself into the very fire of the Lord. Ask God to bring you into the very flame of his love and presence behind the veil. So that God can burn up and remove from you, change you from glory to glory, take out all of those things that you could never get out of yourself by fasting, praying, and wording it out. It's an end time intervention. 
That's what, that's what John chapter two is all about. Do you know that the, the miracle of Cana, the wedding of Cana is only in that one Bible, uh, excuse me, only in that one gospel. Matthew doesn't record it. Um, uh, Luke doesn't record it. And um, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke doesn't recall it, only John. Why? John the revelator. John was the one that put his head here. He is the only one that speaks about on the third day. Notice how he writes it. On the third day, there is a wedding at Cana. On the third day, there's a wedding at Cana. It doesn't say on the third day after what. It just says on the third day, there was a wedding. And what does he do on that third day? He changes water to wine. We know that. And what does it say at the end of John chapter 2? This was the first miracle that Jesus did to display his glory. So changing water into wine is the first work of glory. Finishing you is the first work of glory. Completing you is the first work of glory. The kingdom age is the, the revealing of the glory of the Lord upon the earth. So changing you from water to wine, changing you from, from, from an immature son to a full grown son is the work of glory. Changing, and it takes an end time intervention of Jesus to do something that we can't explain. We can't see. We don't know. All, he, all we know is he commanded those servants to fill up those, those six pots. Six represents the number of man, but it also represents the six, day, six days. And he says, fill up those pots to the brim. Now, those pots, those clay pots were for sanctification, for purification. Notice they were being filled. So he takes the purification water, says, draw some out, and on its way, it changes its nature. We don't know how it changes its nature. It just changes from water to wine, supernaturally by an intervention of God, which is where we are. Hallelujah. That's what's happening right now in your life, I hope, my life, my family. And I hope you church and ministry. And all you, it's the Lord that's doing it. On the third day, I will finish my course. And what does he have to do? He has to get out of us what we can't get out. You know, with the holy place with, and, and all of our working for God, all of our experiences with God couldn't finish us. Jesus said, I'm going to finish them. I've started this good work by a miracle. I'm gonna finish this good work by a miracle. And that's what I've been sharing with you about this glory roadmap. And that's why Zechariah is so critical. We'll get there. You know, I, I don't know if I'll get to it today, but we'll get there, maybe tomorrow. I thought I was gonna get there today, but you know, we got two more days. Let me get back here. It says, it says, because no one has troubled to seek a remedy. Now, I don't know about you, but in March, 2020, I looked at Donna and I said, we are never going back to where we were. I knew it. She knew it. I said, whatever we were doing in ministry, we got to lay it down. And she got like right after that, she got that song from, from King and Country, I think it was, Donna, you know, burn the ships. She said, we have to burn the ships. I even brought her on one of the broadcasts to share that and back in 2020. And what was burning the ships? Write this down. Burning the ships was finding the remedy. Burning the ships was finding the remedy. What is the remedy? Remedy. I put everything down. Here I am, Lord. Search me, try me. Lord, you stopped everything. People couldn't work. We couldn't go to the store. We couldn't go to the market. Why? The question is, why did you allow that to happen? And the, and the answer we find in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, we find it in Zechariah. We find it all through the scriptures I've been sharing with, with, with you about Genesis 16, cast out the bondwoman and the son for never shall the, never shall the, um, uh, a uh, child of a bondwoman inherit the promises of God. All of that speaks of a change, a drastic change, an intervention of the Lord. And that end time, you know, intervention 
starts with an invitation. And if you heard the invitation of the knock, okay, then you enter into the visitation. And when you go into the visitation, you receive the impartation of that supernatural miracle change. And as you receive that spiritual uh, um, change, you become a habitation for the Lord. I shared that last week. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if I lost everybody today or not. Is this making sense to you? Okay. Amen. Drop a comment in there. Let me know if this is if you're if you're hearing what the Lord says, if this is touching your heart today. Now it says, I want you to listen, and I'm sharing about the how the Lord can see a church service or whatever we're doing and how we can see it. Okay. And and and, and just because we went to church. And Keith Green said it the best. Going to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. We're not hamburgers, are we? No, we eat hamburgers. So to become a true son of God, okay, we have to go through this change, metamorphosis. We have to enter the chrysalis. And that's what this third day is. We enter the, like a caterpillar. We enter that chrysalis time. Where our DNA structure has to change from caterpillar to a moth or to a butterfly so that we're no longer crawling on the ground, but we're able to fly. Notice the caterpillar has to fly, you know, because it's, it's destiny to be a butterfly, not a caterpillar. Caterpillars go into the first two, the outer course of the holy place. But when we enter the veil, that's where the caterpillar changes. We change into a butterfly. And that's the season of this third day intervention. It's how we enter the kingdom age with a change. We become kingdom minded, kingdom people, kingdom orientated, kingdom understanding, kingdom power, dominion and authority. It's not a doctrine. It's a reality. And now people say they used to got kingdom age, kingdom now. I don't I, I don't even talking about that. I'm talking about that, how the Lord is changing us to become full grown sons of the kingdom that the kingdom of God is established within us. What? I didn't, you know, back, I told you back in 2004, I'm, I'm, I'm driving and Donna and I are praying for, for uh, uh, Tampa and in prayer ministry as pastors. And I come to McDill Air Force Base and I come to the end of the road. And I said, Donna, we came to the end of the road. And the Lord said, yes, you come to the end of the road as pastoring as you know. Because I don't want you to build a church or ministry, which I'm not doing. Okay. We have to have one legally to do this, but it says, you know, but I want you to establish, listen to the word, the kingdom of God in men's hearts. And I looked at Donna and I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, you got to establish it within me because uh, I need to know what it is. And from that day, that's what the Lord's been doing, this unfolding of it. Now, going back to the condition, understanding our spiritual condition is, is critical. And that's why I want to build a church or build a ministry. Why? because you won't be able to finish the work. I won't be able to finish you and I won't be able to use you to help finish others, to bring them to me. And that's what he told me, that's the answer, Henry, all I want you to do is to bring them to me. I want you to take their hand, lift it up into my hand and when they get a full grip of it, let go and get out of the way. That's what he's talking about. But you have to understand the spiritual condition. 2020, March, 2020 was a chance to allow the Lord to examine what we're doing. I said this, Don and I said, we need to burn the ships. So we laid it all down. We told our kids, I don't know what's going to, going to happen now, but we are not living the same. I don't know what the change is. And for, you know, the, the first change that started in March 20 is the Lord said, I want you to start doing a daily spiritual briefing. I never did videos like this. Never. I didn't want to do them. I didn't want to touch them. I didn't want to. But the Lord said, you've got to go on there and start sharing what I'm giving you. So I started very timidly. 
starting doing a daily spiritual briefing. And from that, he unfolded the glory roadmap. And two years and a half later, or two years, a little bit more than two years later, here I am doing these broadcasts. That's new for me. I never did that before. Why? Because the Lord wanted me to do this, to bring this message, to say what is happening. I believe that that tribe of Issachar anointing abides, God has given me and others to be able to know the time and the season of the Lord. You know, so that you can know what the Lord is doing. They also were able to, to the tribe of Issachar, and this is one of the very first teachings I taught on and and that uh, and that daily briefing was about the tribe of Issachar. They knew the time and seasons of the Lord, and they're changing. They also knew who God was rising up as leaders and who God was removing. And they've stayed with they stayed with uh, Saul until the Lord released them to David, and then they came and they joined David. And that tribe was important because they were helping to discern spiritual time. What time is it? Where are we? What is the Lord doing? Aren't those the right questions to ask right now? Where are we? What God's? What is God doing? What does God want? Not go back and keep doing life as usual. We shouldn't be going back and say, oh, everything's beautiful. I can go back to wife, plan my vacations, do all my jobs. I can live the American Christian, American church, the American dream church, Christian life. I can do my ministry just the way I was. No, it's changed. There's been a change of day, a change of season, a change of hour. And as we do, God is looking at the mixture. He has to remove the mixture. And let's say we don't want that and we want to keep doing what we're doing. God says, all right, if you do, I'll take my candlestick from you. You want to keep doing that? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take away the little that you have. You know, like in Sardis, you want to, I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Is that what you want the Lord to do? Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw you in a bit of affliction because you're tolerating Jezebel. Is that what you want him to do? Do you want him to say, you know, unless you uh, unless you repent, I'm going to spew you out of, uh, out, of, out of my mouth? Does that sound good to the people that he's talking to? That tells me something's wrong. Isaiah, the Lord uses Isaiah to look at the church leaders and say there's something wrong and this is what it is. He says, because of your... Because of your verse seven, Isaiah one seven. Because of your detestable disobedience, what's disobedience? Doing what we want instead of what God wants. Bringing a Cain offering, giving God the best of the fruit of our hands. Look at what I did for you. And I've talked about this over and over again. What did Cain do? He was a tiller of the ground. He produced crops. He sweat. He had to watch over it. And so when he saw this bountiful harvest that God blessed him with, he said, you know what I'm going to give God? God told me to bring a lamb. He told me and Abel to bring a lamb. But God gave me this job to do. My job is a lot more important than my brother's. All he does is watch a few sheep. So you know what? I sweat. I worked hard. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring God what I think he wants. I'm going to bring him the very best of my efforts. I'm going to bring him the best crops. And God is going to say to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And we're going to have a party. That's what he expected. Remember, Cain went first. I mean, Abel went first and he brought the lamb. Where did that lamb come from? Did Abel make that lamb? No. Did he make the grass for the lamb? No. Did he make the waters for the lamb? No. What did he have to do? Watch the lambs and just make sure they were protected. All the provision of the lamb and the lamb's worth and work was made by God. Truthfully, so was all the crops, but Cain couldn't see it. God wanted a lamb. And what did, what did Cain bring? The offering of his efforts. And that's the mixture in the holy place. And that's why everything stopped, because God's not receiving it. He's not, he's, he cannot receive it, because we're in a new day. If we want to go on to maturity, doesn't mean they're not going to be saved. Doesn't mean they can't go to heaven. 
which just means that they're going to miss the overcoming position in Revelation, in the book of Revelation of, of the overcomers. They won't be singing a new song. You know, he's formed us into a kingdom of kings and priests and God. They'll be saved, but that's going to be their testimony. They're going to enter heaven crying because when they stand in that day of fire, all of those efforts that they brought to God are going to burn up and they're going to have nothing left except their initial salvation and they will enter heaven thank god all they will have left is their initial salvation they come in by white robes okay it says in i think it's revelation 7 but they have a testimony that's crying the overcomers have a testimony that's singing do you want your whole life to burn up and you just escape by the fire imagine pastor of 10,000 5,000 20,000 105 to stand before the Lord in that day and watch it all burn up because you built it. You did what you thought God wanted in your own strength. When you want to find that now, find out now before you enter there. Great. Thank God we make it into heaven. You know, thank God. But you know what? Just like the sons of Levi in Ezekiel 44, you know, they won't be able to touch God's holy thing or come near him. Only the sons of Zadok are able to come near the Lord because they didn't leave their post. In the time when Israel stopped making tithe, giving tithe. But let's listen to what it says. Because of your detestable disobedience, your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Hmm. 2020, 2021. See what happened? Look at our nation right now. Your land, strangers devour it. And your very presence. Isn't that what China is doing to our nation right now? Other to us? It's desolate and it's overthrown by aliens. You know, I just heard out China's buying up 60% of all our farmland. Why? They own most of our country. Why? I'm just saying. Why? And the daughters of Zion, and that, that means the remnant of God. Zion always represents her, is left like a deserted booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, like a besieged city spared but in the midst of desolation and that's what many of you as remnant felt felt like you see what's going on you see what's in the church you see what's going on in the world you see what's going on in the nation doesn't it feel like a desolate land if you didn't have your eyes on jesus and on the kingdom of god it, it's not really desolate it's just being removed the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our god in christ but if you would compare it to what what it should look like look at where we are and look at where Today, many of our leaders who are still in the church age, look at we're going to continue to bring the people unless they change and repent. Now look at, and I believe this is such a prophetic word for today, I, I, except the Lord of hosts. Notice the Lord of hosts. Why these terms? Notice it says you, you didn't, you didn't, um, you provoke the Holy One of Israel, and Israel does not know or recognize me as Lord. Look at the number of times the, the name Lord is spoken here. Because he's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just my Savior. And Lordship means head, authority, dominion, and I'm connected, and I am under his authority completely. That's what the Lord is. I'm under his complete authority. I'm under his domain. That's why it's the king's dominion. I'm under his dominion, under, under his domain willingly. As a son, as a daughter, as a bride, as a priest, I'm willingly. All that I have, all that I am, all that I ever will be is, is yours. And then you allow that process of his lordship to fin finish you and complete you. So now that we're ready, like Jesus, his life can now be seen in us. And that day, 
Jesus will come to be seen, but glorified in his saints. In other words, he'll be able to live his life as he did in a single body, in a multi-membered body remnant. And unless the Lord has left us a very small remnant, we, we would have been like Sodom and we should have been like Gomorrah. And now here is a word that not very popular, but very important this morning as we listen to it. Why is God calling us out from a, out of the holy place? Okay. Why is the Lord going to address what they're doing and why they're doing it? Because motives are everything with God and timing is everything with God. Motives and timing are everything with God. This is critical. What are you doing with your life? How are you living it right now? What are you bringing to the Lord? Are you bringing what you want to God? Are you giving God only the portion you want to give and keeping the rest for yourself, which you're able to do, you can do it. Or are you giving the Lord the right to everything, your life, your time, your money, your finances, your home, your children, spouses, jobs, church? Are you giving the right to be Lord over all of it? And are you bringing your life under that complete submission, the totality of your being to the Lord so that he can change it? Because when you do, Psalm 32, 8 becomes a living reality. Now, once you've done that, the Lord says, I, the Lord, will teach you and instruct you in the way that you should go. That's the fruit of 2020. If you've surrendered and burned a ship, God is now teaching you and instructing you how to walk in the way that you should go in your relationship with him, with His, with the body, and with the world, and with your family. He's teaching, instructing us, and he's guiding us with our with his own eyes. Remember Proverbs uh, you know, eight, uh, uh, 18. Proverbs, yeah, excuse me, is it 8 or 18? I think it's 8. Let me, oh boy, that's Proverbs. Okay, let me I'll just look it up. It's easier that way. Brain freeze this morning. Yeah, it's Proverbs 8. I'm sorry. Um, verse, verse 17. I love those who love me. Notice the condition. I love those that love me, that are in love with me. And those who seek me early and diligently shall find me. That's Revelation chapter 320. This is the invitation. And then what do, what's the blessing? What do you do? It says in verse 20, uh, uh, 21, that I may cause those who love me, that I may cause, see, that's an action of God, that I may cause those who love me to what? To inherit true riches and that I will fill their treasuries. That's a spiritual and a natural and positional position where God can fill you with all that he is as the Lord Jesus Christ. You're now ready to rule and reign with him. You're now ready to walk as a full-grown son upon this earth because you've been prepared and positioned and propelled with it. Thank you, Lord. Then he goes on to say, Hear, O Jerusalem, the word of the Lord, you rulers and judges of another Sodom. Give ear to the law and the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And this is a question. If I can leave you with something today, and if you think just because we had services and we sang and we lifted up our hands and we preached a message and we did offerings and we did communion or whatever we did, that automatically God accepts that because that's what we did. I want you to listen carefully to how God sees things. You can do all of those things, Lord, Lord, have we not? But if your heart motive is not pure and right before the Lord, if that gathering was not what the Lord wanted or a mixture of what you wanted and the Lord wanted, which we've been passed down from generation to generation and continue to do, then, and in it, it's not changing anybody, really. It's not transforming anybody, but all it's doing is bringing us into church vision, reach our community, do all those things, which we are supposed to do. But we're not supposed to do it in the mixture of flesh and spirit. Not in this day, not in this hour. And it says here, 
to what purposes are the multitude of your sacrifices to me? To what purpose is a multitude of your sacrifices? How often as a pastor did I look at the people and whether they were responding, how faithful they were to me, how faithful they were to the ministry, how, whether they gave their tithes. This is what I was taught, you know, how faithful they are to serving me, you know, as a, as a minister, the church vision, are they faithful? And there was a church, religious, spiritual Babylonian structure that defined what a faithful believer was. Thankfully, God did not let me do that very long. And what I was doing in my secret place, the Isaac, is what God wanted me to do. And thank God he stopped me in my tracks. But think about it. You know, how do we see God's people? A means to an end to help us do the vision? Are they all workers? Is everybody supposed to come to you? And are all the apostles supposed to gather to you? And all the prophets supposed to gather to you so that we can build something else? And again, while the people get the same old, same old, same old, same old messages, that's the amazing thing about what I'm hearing as kingdom is the same messages I heard from the church age. You know, you know, why aren't you in church? Why are you not faithful? Why are you not doing this? You should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be, you should be. We got that to a lunar face. Why do you think people are leaving? They didn't ask you for a book of how-tos. They want the reality of God. They're not asking you to tell them the 27 steps of what they're supposed to do to be great members of your church or your organization. They want the reality of God. They want the experience of God. They want the glory of God. The young people don't want programs. They want God. They want God. They want to know God, see God, hear God. What are we giving them? We're giving them about God instead of God. We're telling them about what God does, what God will do. But what about God himself? Think about it. Beloved, maybe you have to open your home and allow God to bring people so that you can teach them the ways of God, the work of God. Maybe you'll rise up as a shepherd outside the camp in Song of Solomon chapter one, so that you don't bring people to you, but you bring them to the Lord, that you invest, you get underneath them to help them become everything that God created them to be, because that's what the Bible ministry is supposed to do, getting underneath God's people so that they can fulfill their destiny, not yours. Yours may be intertwined with them, but your vision is not the important part. Theirs is. If you're a true Bible minister, you becoming, helping them become what God created them to be is the function of a husband with a wife, a wife with a husband. Why wouldn't it be for the rest of the body? Hello. Now we make this personal. What are we doing at home? What are we building? What's the Lord building with our families? Are we afraid to speak? Are we afraid to correct? Are we afraid to tell our children that what they're doing is wrong? If they're living with somebody, you know? Are we accepting that they want to change their identity? Or their gender? Is that all okay? Are we not saying anything to them? Are we afraid? And I've heard this from a lot of parents. I'm afraid that if I say something, I'm going to push them away from the Lord. So they accept it. They compromise. Here's the, here's the deal. They're already away from the Lord. They're already away from the Lord. How can you push them away from the Lord when they're already away from the Lord? It says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set them free by speaking the truth and love to them. 
and telling them the truth and not accepting what they're believing as true and saying so and doing what's necessary as the Bible commands us to do, to be able to, uh, there are ways that you you have to treat certain things. And if you obey that as hard and as difficult as it sounds, it will save them. It will save them by you not agreeing with it. But you've agreed with that prophetess Jezebel. What does she do? She seduces God's people to sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. More accepting that in the church. I, if I see, I tell you, if I see one more church that that puts up on there, you know, we just accept you as you are. I'm gonna puke. You know what? Because it, it's it's disgusting. You know, it, because I know what the heart is behind that. It's not a matter of accepting people as sinners. It's accepting the sin as acceptable. The sin and the sinner acceptable. The sin is not the sinner is, and that the destination is to be saved and to come out of the sin. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed us from the law of sin and death. Not tell them they can stay there. That's not love. At least I don't think so, and I don't think the word says so either. And so we got these seeker-sensitive churches, and now they have a new name for it, where it's, where it's about everything goes. We can change our name to instead of the Church of God. God, our God's name can't even be be be, be in it. It's got to be, you know, fabulous. I go to fabulous. <laughs> I go to joy. I go to um, um, uh, inner light. Whatever you want to call it. Notice we have to come up with clever catch names. Why? Why? Because what we're doing is not working. And we want to be relevant. And we want to be relevant to the world instead of the expression of God. What do your children see? Are you relevant to them? Or do they, do they see the expression of God's glory in you? I've watched family members change. The more we get filled with the glory, hardest ones, turn around, situations. And, you know, they may continue to do those things. You can't change what your children do. You can't. But you can tell them the truth in love. And you can tell them that truth in the glory of God. And you can purpose in your heart not to accept it and let them know that freely. And they need to know it. They need that sting. But that may hurt them. It's supposed to hurt them. That's what discipline does. It hurts. Correction hurts. I didn't say beat them over the head. I'm not saying that you don't love them. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you, you're going to stop loving them. I love you, but I can never accept what you're doing. I will always love you. But what you're doing is evil. What you're doing is wrong. And I cannot accept it. You, I accept what you're doing is not what I accept. I can't accept that. I won't accept it. God doesn't accept it. I'm not accepting it. And they need to hear that. And they need to know it. Because it's critical. Why? Because we're entering a new day. And there. remember, you know, you're either hot or cold. You know, if you're lukewarm, he's going to spew you out of, out of his mouth. So there's a time of warning. There's a warning that has to be a trumpet, a war trumpet has to be sounded. You don't have to beat them over the head. I'm not saying that. But you do have to tell them the truth. And when you speak the truth and you live in the truth and you're filled with the glory of the Lord, you'll be able to speak it in power to set them free. Believe God for it, beloved. So what purposes are the multitude of your sacrifices? says here to me says the lord 
I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and fat of fed beasts. Look at this. I've had enough of burnt offerings of ram and fat or fed beasts without obedience. Without obedience. So we can have a service and not be obedient by not giving God what he wants. When we took control of the service, did we even ask what God wants? We may have asked him, what do you want to say as a message? But did we open up that gathering to be what God wants it to be? No, this is what I want it to be. This is what I know. This is what we do. This is where we're going. I got to get everybody home for dinner. Got to get everybody home for lunch. I got to give them what they're looking for. And so as long as they get fed, whatever you're feeding them, okay, uh, then, then we can go home. And we set the other priority. I used to do it. I was taught this. I promise I'll get you home for lunch. I promise I'll get you home to watch a football game. Why did I utter those stupid things out of my mouth? Because that's what I was taught. I'm not blaming them. I just thought that was right. So I'm not blaming anybody. We just thought it was right. And God worked in it for 2,000 years through it in spite of it. But the day comes where God says, no more. I got to bring you. I got to complete you. And to complete you, you can't stay where you are. And look at this. It says, you know, I've had enough of your burnt offerings of ram and the fat of the fed beast. And I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or he goats without righteousness. So there's two things. He's looking for obedience and righteousness. What's righteousness? Doing what God wants. When you come to appear before me. Now notice he's talking about coming together. Okay. That's why when if we continue to stay in the holy place ministry, when it needs to dissolve and, and not be a recognized institution anymore, what can that be? It can become an idol, can it? Look what it says. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you that your unholy feet trample my courts? Remember, the place that you are standing is what? Holy ground. Take the shoes off your feet. Why do you have to take the shoes off your feet? Because the place you are standing is holy. You're honoring God. But if we walk in with shoes and we're making God common like just one of us, you know, meeting with God, oh, a little presence of God, that's just enough. That's like me talking to you. This enough. You don't really need to know him as long as you know about him. It says, bring no more offerings of vanity, emptiness, false, falsity, vainglory, and futility. If you take that and go to Isaiah chapter 4, he has to beautify the branch with the spirit of blast of burning and the spirit of blast of judgment to beautify her to remove what? These things, emptiness, falsity, vainglory, and futility. It says in Isaiah chapter four, and he does it by an end time intervention. So if you are, if these things are in you, with your church and your ministry and your life, have faith today, have hope today, that all the Lord is asking you to do is arise my love, come away with me. Why? Because the winter is over. You trying to fix yourself in the 2000 years is over. The rain has come and gone, but now the flowers appears and the singing of the birds has come, which represents a new divine intervention of the Lord to complete you. He that started this good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I don't care what you think you look like today. I don't think where you are. You can say, oh, look at all that I'm doing wrong. All God says is come into the light, come up here. I'm going to finish you. He's saying to you, beloved saint, you cannot finish yourself. You can't word it out. You can't fast it out. You can't pray it out. And I want you to trust me. I want you to believe me that if I can do a miracle and save you, 
I can finish that miracle by completing you. And just as I started it with a miracle intervention in your life, I'm going to complete you with a miracle intervention. And all I want you to do is hear the knock on the door and let me in as a king of glory. I want you to let me in because if you let me to come in and you will see me as I am today in the ability to see me as a king of glory, my fire is going to burn up everything out of you and I'm going to remove every spot, every blemish and every wrinkle in you by my power, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to give you an endless supply of oil. I didn't even get over to Zachariah today, but I'm going to give you an endless supply of oil. Praise God. So isn't that exciting? Doesn't that give you hope? How many times have you felt like a dirty dog? Guilty, condemned. You're never going to make it. You're never going to finish it. That's exactly how the church is at the end of the church age. They don't feel like they're ever going to make it. They can ever get there. And, and all we're shouting at is more work, more work, more work, more work, more work. Then you'll get there. But we know we can't get there that way. The only way to get there is to come up. And that's what this is all about. That's what God did from 2020 to bring that into full-blown sunlight so you can see it. So we can see it. I'm going to stop here today because that was a lot already. I'll pick up in Isaiah tomorrow and we'll go over to Zechariah. You know, we're really going to understand that what happens in Zechariah 3 and 4 because that's where the arising sons of God are going to receive the ability to finish the work of the Lord. So we're gonna look at that this week. Is that okay with you? I hope I hope this has been a blessing to you. Now I'm speaking, I, I believe a from the spirit of prophecy, a word to all of us as church leaders, a word to the body of Christ, a word to us as families, and a word God is giving to us as individuals. If any man, hear my voice. It's a very personal word. And we have a very personal choice to make. And we can still make it. Today is your day. You're watching this broadcast. It is not too late. You still have time. The door's not shut yet. Almost, but it's not. You have time. Will you burn the ships? Will you give the Lord the totality of your being? Will you lay it all down at his feet today? And if you've done it, Lord, are there any places that I'm clinging to that I need to let go of? Examine me. Search me. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. I only want to live for your will. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord Jesus Christ over my life. I want my life to come under the totality of your headship. I need you to be totally the head over my life and my thoughts, my mind, my body, my soul, so that I live only for you, so that my testimony will be I am my beloved's and his desires are towards me, that I live only for his desires. Are you ready for that? And if you did it, are you ready for the Lord to do more of that within you? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we bless you. We thank you for this word in season this morning. Lord, I ask you to forgive me, forgive Donna, my family, and all of us, our team, all of us that are working together, and all those watching this broadcast. Lord, forgive us for every place there's still an Ishmael, a mixture in our lives. Everywhere we're still fighting two wills, our will and your will. Let today be the day that, that the, the revelation of the truth, not my will, not my will in anything, but your will be done from the living reality. I pray such a release, such a strengthening, such an impartation, Lord. I pray such a strengthening. I 
pray is such a filling of the glory of God to come and strengthen each one that's watching this broadcast. Father, I pray such an enabling grace, enabling power, such an impartation to strengthen us, Lord, that this word would become flesh in us, Lord. Lord, that we can do exactly what it says. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can put away the sin in the ways that easily beset us. And we can run this race looking upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we can capture the victor's crown. I pray such a release, such a strengthening, such an impartation. Father, I thank you right now. Let the fire of your holiness consume us. The fire of your being consume us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory. And I thank you for what you're doing right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And we, everyone says amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to type a few things up here. I don't know if Reverend Lynn's on or not to put the stuff on the end. She may not be on right now. So if she isn't, I haven't seen her on there. So I'm going to type it in for you right now. That um, I want to invite you to come to our uh, divine convergence. Give me one second, Mom. May 2nd through the 7th, come. I hope you can. We are going to have a gathering of a convergence of the saints of God. Fivefold ministers, you are welcome. And the only agenda is seeking the face of God. And the guest speakers are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working through his people. And we're going to encounter God in ways that we've never experienced him before. I, I believe such a tremendous work of God is going to happen at this convergence. You don't want to miss it. I really mean that. I say that all of them are special, but this one is really a revolutionary one for us. You know, for all of us that are going to gather that hear the call to come May 2nd. So I hope you'll come to the divine convergence. May 2nd. Here's the dates. I hope you come, Sister Crystal. I, I, I really hope you come. I, I mean, this is a really, I don't, I, you know, I, all of them are, I can say it for all of them, but I, we know that this one is really um, a really important one. So if you can come, I hope you can. I pray that God would bring you. Because I, I believe this is a really, really special event of the Lord, especially we went to San Francisco to start in January. If you think about it, that's where Angel Island is, where everybody came into this nation on the West Coast. New York is the state that everybody came over this, especially New York City, to there. So these are significant places. So I really hope that you can come. All of you, pray about it. I just put my email address on there. Okay, if anything we can do to serve you, if you want more information, our website, you can find it. If you need me for anything, we're here for you. And we appreciate every single one of you so much. And we'll put one last thing on here. Bring our PayPal account on here. And uh, uh, many times 
people ask me, how can we bless you, Brother Henry? You know, how can we help you in Ghana financially? That's how you're able to do it. And beloved, if you're watching this, we do need some help financially. And so I'm going to lay that before you and the Lord, if God would touch you to help us to be able to get, because not only do we have to get the funds to go, but we have to get all our expenses to take care of before we go as missionaries. So we really are asking the Lord to touch people's hearts to help us with this. So if God does, praise the Lord. If he doesn't, don't worry about it. That's between you and the Lord. But if you can and God speaks to you, we sure appreciate it very, very much for every one of your prayers and encouragement. And of course, those of you that give financially, that you get financially, it is a blessing and we so appreciate you, all of you for all of that. But you don't want to miss this convergence. This is, um, I, I just know, I know that I know that that whatever God is going to do is going to bring a revolution to our lives and bring us to a place we've never been before, experience him like we've never experienced him before and be released by him like we've never experienced before. So if you can make it, tell somebody, get somebody to come. Maybe they can share a room with you. You know, we have, uh, you have to register online now. Okay. There's not many seats left. Okay. So you need to register now. And if you're going to stay, you only have to four more days to get the hotel. So reserve it now. You can cancel on the 13th if you're not coming. But um, but you can uh, if you reserve it, you're going to get a tremendous discounted rate. Plus, you're going to get um, breakfast included. And if you're a musician, singer, bring your musicians. If you're a flagger, bring your flags. You know, if you dance, bring your dancing shoes. Whatever way you minister, Lord, bring your instruments of worship and also of spiritual warfare. You know, bring it. Bring bring what you have. Your musician. And if you want to join with us to play and worship. Just let me know. Just send me an email. Say, listen, I'd like to be part of worshiping with you. And I have a special broadcast to work with all those that want to sing or dance or flag. So hopefully you'll come. All right. Well, we love you. Thank you for watching. It's been a blessing being with you. Crystal, we're going to see you by faith. We're going to see you and some of you others, too, I pray, in New York. We love you. Register now. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same station. Bye-bye.